On July 5th, 2015, Andrew Loku, a 45-year-old father of five, a black man living in Toronto, was shot and killed in his apartment by a Toronto police officer. After an investigation by the Special Investigations Unit, or the SIU, which investigates serious injuries, deaths, and allegations of sexual assault against police officers, the officer who shot and killed Mr. Loku was cleared of any criminal charges. Loku is the latest black man to die at the hands of the police in Toronto and the greater Toronto area in recent years, and there have been very many of these incidents. Black Lives Matter Toronto, the local chapter of the International Black Lives Matter movement, decided that it was time to respond. The group organized an event at Nathan Phillips Square last Sunday, and that turned into a demonstration in front of police headquarters at 40 College Street in Toronto, which has lasted over a week, day and night. The protesters have several demands, including the naming of the officer who killed Mr. Loku, a review of the SIU, and an apology and compensation for Loku's family. Protesters have braved sub-zero temperatures, rain, and ice storm. Early on in the demonstration, police doused out the fire that protesters were using to keep warm and dismantled their tents. We spoke with several demonstrators. We witnessed a mass demonstration on Saturday where at least a thousand people gathered in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter protesters. Here are their voices and their stories. I'm Desmond Cole at police headquarters in downtown Toronto, and this is Canada Land Comments. This episode of Canada Land Commons is brought to you by Audible, the world's largest online audiobook service. Do you love books but find that you never really have time to read them? Audible.com has the perfect solution. Get audiobooks and listen to those books that you've been meaning to read while you're on the go. At the gym, during your commute, Audible.com provides over 180,000 titles from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Now, the app is free and works on iPhones, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You can also download and listen on your Kindle Fire and over 500 different kinds of MP3 players. And unlike streaming or a rental service, with Audible, you own your books, so you can access them anytime and anywhere right from your smartphone. Audible.com also has the Great Listen guarantee. If you decide that you don't like the book that you chose, don't worry. You can exchange any book that you're not happy with for another title anytime, no questions asked. Now, I know that a lot of you listeners out there tell us that you like to listen to Canada Land Commons when you're washing the dishes, driving in your car, going for a run. Well, it only makes sense that you might consume some audiobooks in the exact same way, especially those titles that you've been meaning to get to. And listeners, just for you, Audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. So go to audible.com slash CanadaLand today and start your free trial. Again, show your support for Canada Land Commons and get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash CanadaLand. Uh, my name is Michelle Aaron Hopkins, and I'm here because 
I believe that the deaths of Andrew Loku and Jermaine Carby were unjust, and I honestly believe that police brutality exists, especially in Canada, and it's been ignored for too long. And I feel like as a community, we need to highlight that the problem exists, and that's what we've been doing all week. I just don't think that police officers, especially in Canada and Toronto, I don't think they care about the black members of the community. They see us as many people and many dangerous people, and they have a preconceived notion of what danger is. And that's what they see us as, regardless of the fact that we haven't proven that we're dangerous. We've had a peaceful process for the last six days, and they're the ones that have been violent towards us. It's just their mindsets of the entire police force in which they just don't see us as human. And like, if a life is lost of ours, they just don't care. It all comes down to humanity, and sometimes I feel like they don't have any. You say police officers don't see black people as human. Yes. Elaborate on that, because I think that that's something a lot of people would find hard to believe and actually might sound very antagonistic on your part. Why would you say something so strong? They haven't proven that they care about members of the black community. And it's something that has been highlighted during this week. The prime example is Monday a peaceful protest where children and elders were present, children sitting next to the fire, and they knew that. The organizers told them that there were children here and they still stormed and hurt them. I just, I don't understand who could do that to another human being. The only explanation I could possibly come up with is they just don't see us as human beings or they just don't value the lives of the members and they don't think about the consequences of their actions. They don't think about the families affected. They don't think about the communities affected. They don't think about anyone that's affected except for the fact that they are sheltered and if the families of the people who are deceased have to deal with all the disadvantages of the death has caused why can't the police officer have you ever been involved in any kind of a demonstration like this before in your life um not really <laughs> i was um, supposed to come down on sunday for the afrofest at nathan phillips square but then i wasn't able to come down because of transport and on Monday, I was about to go to sleep, and uh, then I checked social media, and I saw the video of what was happening to my people, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to sleep unless I came down here. It was just like a calling bigger than fear and bigger than what people thought that it was. Honestly, I feel like people have underestimated our determination. We've been here for six days straight. I think that is just amazing and the biggest demonstration of black community spirit. You're not from Canada, but you make claims about the black community in Canada, indigenous communities in Canada. What is it about your short time here as a black woman that has made you so confident about your feelings on race relations in this country? First of all, I come from uh, Tanzania, which is a country in East Africa, and I've been able to see the subtle oppressions that have been happening since colonialization from just my own home. And moving out here and hearing about these deaths. And like even when I was back home in Africa, I was keeping up a lot with the American Black Lives Matter because it was something that I, at the time, did not understand in the terms of I just didn't understand why so many people were dying and the government wasn't doing anything to stop that. Especially with like the shooting in the church where people were killed and then the white person who shot them was taken and given like an insane amount of consideration. To make the comparison in my mind that if I was in like an African person in their shoes and I did that to a bunch of white people, I wouldn't be alive. And then to move out here and just hear about the deaths that have happened and to hear about the commonalities between every single death, the missing evidence, the missing pieces, 
and just like seeing that there are pieces of the puzzle that just don't add up and you can't ask people who have been oppressed their whole lives some people who are still old enough to have gone through slavery and have gone through being pushed down and being oppressed and you ask them to forget that and to ignore the fact that it might be happening again and that's why I've gotten so involved in the Canadian movement because I honestly believe that we can stop it before it gets to the large extent of basically a war because that seems like where it's heading and people who refuse to acknowledge the fact that Canada has its race problems and compare us a lot to America and they say that um, Canada is not like America why are you bringing American problems into Canada why are you crossing borders but that's the thing black lives have no borders they exist everywhere regardless of the fact that they may not want us to and Everywhere that we go, sadly, there are people who are racist and people who oppress those people and just don't see them the way that they should. And that's basically why I got involved when I moved to Canada. I met Andrew on the 5th of July at Aprofest. He was celebrating. He was happy to see me and everybody. He was sound in mind. He didn't have any issue at all. All he wanted was sleep. He said he had a headache. That was what he said to me. And four hours later, Andrew was dead. So my name is Yusra Kugali. I'm one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter Toronto movement. Yusra, I was there last summer when Andrew Loku was killed by a Toronto police officer Black Lives Matter had a rally and a march, which ended up blocking the Allen Expressway. But, you know, you didn't know Andrew Loku, and most of the people who have been demonstrating on behalf of Andrew Loku did not know him. And here you are back again calling out his name in front of police headquarters. Why do you feel such devotion to this man and his story? Andrew Loku is a part of my family. All black people are a part of my family. We don't need proximity in bloodline or, like, knowing the person personally to be connected as family we're all family and we're going to fight and protect each other andrew loku's fire and spirit and soul is in every one of us and the ways in which he was attacked is like a common experience that black people have and we can connect to that and the reason why we're showing out is because we know that any one of us could be next so we're here as a family to protect each other and andrew is a part of that there's also been a lot of talk about jermaine carby a young man who was killed in 2014 by Peel Regional Police. His cousin, Latanya Grant, was at a massive protest yesterday here in this spot talking about his life and the fact that officers were not charged in his death either. This is not just a one-off in terms of police violence and the black community, is it? No, this is systemic. This is a repeated pattern of the ways in which accountability is not given to the black community. Jermaine Carby, Andrew Loku, these are deaths that happen every single time. And even for the names that haven't even been spoken into existence, the names that haven't even been documented. Black people are under attack in the city every single day. The police services are racist. And the ways in which they interact with the black community is not a way to protect us, but rather to like kill us and to end us. Your group has asked that Toronto Police and other police services release the names of individuals that have died at their hands. Andrew Loku, Jermaine Carby, most recently Alex Wettlaufer. Why is it important for you that Toronto Police release the names and, and Peel Police and other police services release the names 
of officers who kill civilians. Because they are accountable to us. We need to have names because we need to know who we are holding accountable. We need to know who is killing us. And that's what it is. In the States, these mechanisms of accountability exist. Police officers' names who kill people who commit infractions or attack the public is released. You know, footage is released. But here in Canada, we don't have those mechanisms for accountability. That's why we're calling for the documentation of Andrew Loku's death in his apartment complex to be made public information and the police officer who killed him to be made public information. We have a right to these details of what's happening because that is what we need to hold everybody accountable in this process. It's interesting you mentioned the United States because I think that there is this very broad perception in our country that whatever is going on with policing in Canada, it cannot be as bad as the United States. But you're saying that they have actually mechanisms for accountability that we don't have. Yes, exactly, precisely. We don't have any mechanisms to hold the SIU accountable in any possible way. And that's a problem. And that's what we're trying to achieve with our demands and while taking up this space is that there needs to be an overhaul of all these systems that are supposed to be working to allow us to be able to hold them accountable. People have this belief system that here in Canada we are protected and we have ways in which we can fight for our lives or even to hold people accountable, but that's definitely false. We have not seen a very high level of media coverage of the protests this week, even though people have been sleeping out in the freezing rain and cold, even though this has been a quite fierce and determined demonstration. But yesterday, there had to have been at least upwards of a thousand people gathered in this place that we're sitting in right now. People spilling out onto the sidewalk, onto the road. People holding signs from the Sikh community, the Asian community at large, from lots of different communities saying that they are in solidarity with Black Lives Matter Toronto. What did that feel like for you? It was such an inspirational moment and it was very reinvigorating because we've been here for a week on end a small community, a village forming, but it's been really tough, you know? Everybody sees the images in the media and it looks really beautiful, they look powerful, but nobody sees the sacrifice and how much exhaustion that we have to undergo just to be able to hold this space. Seeing everybody come out though was what we needed to have, you know, seeing the solidarity and seeing how different communities across our city are coming just for this cause because they believe the ways in which black life is treated in the city is a genocide essentially. Black people, when we get free, everybody gets free. And we know that we can't do this alone. And people coming together and recognizing this was exactly the power that was needed in the space and the power that is going to be manifested as we move forward. I thought after seeing such a mass demonstration yesterday that this was going to end, that you guys were going to be happy, seeing a lot of people in the community support you, and then maybe call it a day or call it a week in this case. You're not leaving. Why are you not leaving? We're not leaving because so many of us are so fed up and this is our moment. So many people see this opportunity in this space right now as it's changed everything for them. Being here for a week and forming the family that we have and completely transforming the political landscape here in the city and creating a space for people to be political, for people to be able to express themselves, for people to be able to be themselves and feel the love and not have to worry about anything. Creating that space for revolutionary love, we know for a fact that we're not going anywhere. We've opened up something so profound and so amazing in the city that the only way that we're going from this point is up. What's your full name and why are you here this afternoon? Full name is Sashaya Simpson and I'm here because of my skin. What about your skin has brought you here? My skin has been targeted much too many times. 
and it's time to demand justice for that. We've been demanding justice from time. We're not being answered. I'm here to show up and represent that we need answers we deserve to have. Statistics are missing. They're not keeping data track or releasing anything of how many of my skin color are being shot and killed and placed in jail systems. They're not showing any of that. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And we need that change happening. You performed at Nathan Phillips Square six days ago. And since that time, these folks out here have been organizing in front of this police station, rallying, sleeping outside in the cold, on the ground. Did you have any idea what was coming a week later when you went up to give your spoken word performance at the beginning of this whole rally? When I performed at Nathan Phillips Square, I thought that was it. Okay, that night, I know they were staying there because they set up tents. But then after I left, that same night, they relocated. And then the night after, I saw the harassment that happened with the police. And I was like, what the fuck? And then that really put even more resolve as to why we need to be in this space. And the weather has been testing us this entire week. But we made it through it. We made it through freezing rain, the coldest of winter weeks so far. While sleeping on the tarps and blankets because the tents got taken. And the police dumped all this gooey, I don't know what it was, onto all the things that were there. And took away stuff that was legally approved to be there. So it's been a process and I've been coming in and out throughout the entire week just checking in because I can't stay away. What do you think the organizers of this event have accomplished by holding this space for a week? More voices are being spoken up. A lawsuit was placed to the police just the other day. Someone came out and while looking at so many things that's been happening with the police so far, how they identify most times that unless a family member wants to reveal who's been shot, the names of the person, the ethnicities, they won't reveal anything. And yet people are coming out and pointing out that this happened. You have a right to speak up about this. We are the citizens. We're the ones they should be protecting, but are they protecting us? No, they're taking our lives instead. So what the organizers have been doing is so important. Even social media-wise, the effect of what they're doing is spreading. We've seen something happen in Ottawa from this. We've seen so many different communities came out, First Nation, Asians, like so many people are standing in solidarity with what's happening. Do you know the demands of Black Lives Matter in staging this demonstration? And if you do, could you pick any one of them that speaks to you? From Angeloku to German Carby, the police officers responsible and the fact that they need to take responsible for what took place. That's so vital and important as well. And another is the need to release statistical data of how many of our black men lives that have been taken by these police officers and how many of them are incarcerated right now because such data are not released to the public. It's always covered and blending with all these different ethnicities. They always jump to diversity around these things. Yet they won't identify exactly how many black folks are in those spaces, are in their graves right now. That needs to come out. That information is vital and important. It's so easy to get information from the states. But when you look up for Canada, it's always covered and comparing to other countries that other countries are worse than they are while they're not releasing the data that they should be providing. So that 
needs to come out. If Jermaine don't get it, shut it down. 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 If Andrew don't get it, shut it down. If Andrew don't get it, shut it down. If Andrew don't get it, shut it down. I'm Afua Cooper. I'm a historian. My day job is James Robinson Johnson, Chair in Black Canadian Studies at Dalhousie University. We have nothing to lose but our chains. And when we internalize that, that we have nothing to lose but our chains and work in accordance with that philosophy, it will happen. I think it's very, very sad that we have an African-Canadian police chief he has not made any comments with regards to this Black Lives Matter here at the police headquarters. The mayor of Toronto, John Tory, has not nodded, has not referred, has not said anything to this situation. And I find that actually quite appalling. Is as if black people don't matter, the black youths don't matter, the issues that we're talking about do not matter. <laughs> we are Canadians. This is our city for those of us who live and work in this city. You teach at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Do you see these issues of systemic racism and police brutality in the black community? Do you see them to be issues across the country? Absolutely. These issues are across the country. These issues are part of the structure of racism in Canada as a whole. We have similar issues in Halifax, Hamilton, Toronto, Ottawa, Calgary, Edmonton, you name it. Police brutality, racial discrimination against people of color, especially African Canadians. You know, we're talking about a century-old struggle, a struggle of four, four centuries, a 50-year struggle. As I hear Stan talking to you, I remember Dudley Laws and Batsy and all the marches and all the struggles that Batsy engaged in over the years. That's the Black Action Defense Committee. Yeah, thank you. And so I want people to come down because, you know, we come down for Caribana. If this was Carabana, there would be tens of thousands of people on these city streets. We want people to come down here. We want thousands of people here because not only would it send a message, it would go a long way towards our final liberation. I mean, one singer said they took off the chains, but they continue to use their brains. So we have to battle both the physical and the mental slavery that we are experiencing right now. We will not be My name is Jordan Samuels. I am out here tonight to support the Black Lives Matter Toronto organizers in organizing this rally against police brutality. We're here to support each other and I need support as well because from going to school to going to work, the system gets us down. So we need to be able to organize and be able to find a community to build us back up. It's pretty cold tonight, but there was basically a mini little ice storm that came through here. It was cold, it was wet. How have you managed to survive through really, really difficult conditions this week? 
Well, I wasn't here for the ice storm. I've been here. This is going to be my third night because I work nights. So, so you've been going to work and then coming from work to come here? Yeah, I go to work at night. I come back here during the day. I go to class during the day and come back. I come back here, take my nap. I do my homework down here and everything. I support local businesses, go back to work at night. At night, I just got to bundle up tight. I have to use a lot of, you know, heat warmers and um, hand warmers, foot warmers. And just remember that I'm out here trying to make a stand, trying to fight for black lives, so I have to do what I have to do. How does it feel to get through a week of this and to see so many people finally come out? There wasn't a lot of media coverage at the beginning. It seems like uh, now this is starting to get some more recognition. It's been euphoric because it just goes from some ideas on paper to just real life. And the support has been absolutely overwhelming. It's been incredible. But of course, it has to end at some point. Do you think you're going to miss this when it's over? Oh my gosh, I've, I've always been saying that because, I mean, when I've been coming here already, I, I say I'm coming home. I wake up, you know, and I hear indigenous drum circles and then I hear people singing gospel. I wake up to my family. I wake up to the same people I only see during tragedy, like, you know, when we have to, go to come to another protest. But being at headquarters, it's just been very symbolic because no other group has shut the place down like this before. And we just took up the space and we didn't leave, so... We're going down in history right now, and I'm going to miss being part of that moment in history. Uh, my name is Gary Wasekizik. I come from uh, northern Ontario, north of Thunder Bay, called Mishkigogama Reserve, Ojibwe territory. Gary, I've seen you out here every day since this protest began here at the police station. And every time I see you, you're standing here prominently displaying these two flags that you're holding in your hands right now. Can you tell me the significance of these two flags that you stand up here on high and you make sure that everybody who's walking by sees? Well, when we're holding the flags out, we're uh, in total support of Black Lives Matter. We know what Black Lives Matter means what it's done, and we're, like I said, we're in total support. It's just not myself that's out here. There's other people that I'm involved with, other people that, you know, take action, other people that stand up, and that's from the First Nations people. And one of the most important things about Black Lives Matter is that, you know, when they open this whole movement up, they've got some of the First Nations women to open it up with ceremonies and sage and other types of, uh, some of our spirituality. And to us, the acknowledgement, the awareness of our culture and the First Nations people, you know, makes it that much stronger for us to support. So that's why you kind of see me out here all every day trying to do the flag thing, you know. Why is it important for you guys to give your solidarity and support to Black Lives Matter? Like, why? I've seen so many Indigenous people here in the last week. Why do you think it matters so much to you? I'd have to answer for myself. For me, who better than anybody else in this country here? We call Canada knows about the police brutality, about the police shootings, the Native First Nations people. I myself have a few, quite a few experiences that I can talk about with police shootings and police killings and police brutality. And you know what? Another uh, reason why we're here today too is there's always been um, an oral treaty between First Nations people and um, blacks ever since contact. You know, there's always been this oral treaty which people have forgotten about or little knowns about it or nobody knows about it, you know. And that's why you never see any arguing, any fighting, any, you know, any types of disagreement. You stand up here on top of this structure and you hold your flags 
and it's cold out here, and you stand up here, I see you for hours, literally hours at a time. It's a big sacrifice that you're making. Well, when I'm up there, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about the time. I'm not thinking about the rain. I'm not thinking about the snow. Andrew Lacou cannot go home no more. Andrew Lacou had five kids. Andrew Lacou had a life. And it was snuffed out by police brutality, police, you know, violence. And he can't go home no more. It's a small sacrifice to stand up there and stand in the rain, stand in the snow, stand in whatever, whatever weather condition that we have out here, right? For me, to bring the flags out, it's an honor. And I think about Andrew Lacou, I think about others. And one of the things about, um, that I think about also is this is a Black Lives Matter movement. They've got Sammy Yatim's picture here. That's an honor. So when I do the flag thing, it's an honor. When people are thanking me for flying the flags, no, 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 no. Thank Andrew Lacou. Thank the others. Thank the brothers. Thank the sisters that have been through the police shootings. And all the victims, right? We're not here to thank each other. We're here to honor and thank the ones that have passed due to police brutality and police shootings. That's the program for this week, everyone. Please, please help us keep the conversation going on Twitter and Facebook. Search for Canada Land Commons. The producer of this week's episode is Kevin Sexton with assistance from Katie Jensen. The music for Canada Land Commons is brought to you by Nathan Burley. Find us online at canadalandshow.com. Email me at desmond at canadalandshow.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And since you like this show so much, support us. Patreon.com slash Canadaland. The next episode of Canadaland Shortcuts will be out on Thursday. And the next episode of Canadaland Commons will be out next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer.